I just want to give you some scripture first up. Don't turn to these scriptures because we haven't got time. I'm just going to read them to you. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 17, it says this, In the last days, say that, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In two weeks' time, Phil turns 50, he's going to start dreaming dreams. Amen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Bring it on. Bring it on. Bring it on. He's always wanted to dream dreams two weeks to go, darling. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and bills of smoke and the sun will be turned out to the moon of blood before the coming of the great and the glorious day of the Lord. And everyone, say everyone, everyone. who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Sounds good, doesn't it? Sounds great. Sounds exciting. It sounds impacting. It sounds like something is going on. Amen. Now listen, straight after that, in verse 22, it says this, men of Israel, listen to this. And I want to say to you today, men and women of Christian City Church, Tugra, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. Now I'm flipping over, flipping over. It says this, Mark 16 and um, verse 15 says this to the church. Go into all the world and preach the gospel of the good news to all creation. And whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs, everybody say these signs. These signs shall accompany those who believe. They will drive out demons in my name. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all and they will place their hands on the sick and they will get well. After this, the Lord Jesus had spoken to them. He was taken up into heaven. He sat at the right hand of God and then the disciples went out and preached everywhere and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his words by the signs accompanied by it. Wow. Do you think by reading that, that we should have more power in the church, in our lives, than what we presently have. Let me take you somewhere else. Matthew 15 and verse 32, if you're taking notes, Jesus called his disciples to him and he said this, I have compassion for these people for they have already been with me three days. Everybody say three days and have nothing to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. Now I know this is talking about people being there and Jesus was going to preach and they didn't have anything to eat so they got the loaves and the fishes and they separated up. 
But I want you to look at it a different way right now. Jesus said, these people have already been with me three days. Do you know that we are right now in the third millennium? We are right now, it's nearly three days. We're in the third day since Jesus Christ came. 1,000 years, 2,000 years, we're now in 3,000 years, we're into the third millennium since Jesus came. It's the third day. And these people, this church, has been with me three days and they still need something to eat. There are people outside the doors of the church that are hungry and there is no bread for them to eat. There are people who need to see miracles and they're not seeing them. There are people that still have not seen my power and it's been three days and nothing's happening. Where is my church? The Lord is calling his church to higher places. Amen. The Lord is calling his church back to the truth, the simplicity, the power of the gospel message of Jesus Christ. But what happens to us along the way is that every time through history that the gospel begins to go out, the power begins to come. The enemy comes and rises up and the people retreat in fear, in intimidation or in religion and shut it down. The great Welsh revival, 100,000 people saved. Nearly the whole of Wales was saved. Amen. My husband's probably a product of that. He is Welsh. He was born in Wales. And we're yet to go back and have a look at your history But I know there's revival in your bones. Amen. Like Elijah's bones, man. They're gonna, people fall on your bones when they're dead, Phil. They're gonna get up. Yes. Amen. So. So the Great Welsh Revival. It's going. It's happening. 100,000 people saved. One woman decides that she thinks that Evan Roberts is rising up in a little bit of pride. This man's just on his face before God, crying out to God. If you read the accounts of the encounter that he had with God before that revival, it would blow your mind. My goodness, these men, these women of God have had encounters with God and they've gone out and done great things. One woman writes him a letter. I think you're rising up in pride, taking the glory to yourself. Evan Roberts shuts the thing down stops because of fear, because of intimidation and because of a lying woman. Now, I want to show you something. I'm going to quickly take you back now and I want to go back into the Old Testament so we can just learn some stuff from the past. How many of you know the Old Testament is great and we can learn bunches from it? So I'm going to go back to 1 Kings 19. I'm going to talk to you about Elijah and another woman. (laughs) Another woman who stopped God or tried to stop God and continues to try to stop God. Now I'm just going to read right through this and then I'm going to give you some history of it and I'm going to come back and unfold it in 10 minutes. Amen. 1 Kings 19.1 Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with a sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me ever so severely. 
if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. Now look, let me give you the history first. You're going, who the heck? Some of you are going, who, what, where, when? Uh, I don't know, you know, so let me give you the history first. Here we have this prophet. His name's Elijah. He's been called by God to go out and do great works in his name. Amen. And signs and wonders would follow the prophet. He'd say, God said, and stuff would happen. People would drop dead and fire would come and smoke and this stuff and stuff would go on. And so God had sent this guy out. Now, at that time, there was a king who was a bit wimpish. His name was Ahab. And he had a wife whose name was Jezebel, who was a bit of a dominating wife. And she was a, a queen who was quite evil. And Ahab was supposed to follow the Lord God of Israel, but Jezebel had turned his head and said, no, no, we should worship these other gods because they're going to give you more success and more prosperity. And she convinced him that he should get everybody worshipping these other gods, one of them being Baal and the other one being Asherah, the male and the female gods. Asherah was the female, Baal was the male. And so people were worshipping these gods and terrible things were coming on the land. Who knows when people don't worship the true and living God, stuff goes wrong and stuff happens. And so God sends Elijah to rectify this thing. So Elijah says this, he says, okay, okay, all you prophets, I want to call you all together. And so he calls all these prophets, there was 450 prophets of Baal, there was 400 prophets of Asherah. And he called them all together and he said, watch this, I'm going to see whose God is God. And so he did this whole competition thing going on. And he says, okay, you guys go first. You guys go first and show us your God. Let's see the power of your God. Let's see your God move. And so they had this altar there and they put the bull on it and they cut it up and they did that. And all the prophets of Baal are going round and round and crying out to their God, cutting themselves up, doing all this crazy stuff and everything and hours and hours, nothing's happening, nothing's happening, nothing's happening. And Elijah's just standing there, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, where's your God? He's mocking them. Where is he? Come on. <laughs> Where is this God of yours? And he does this whole deal. And your God must be asleep. And um, <laughs> and so at the end of that, he says, okay, well, my turn, you know, and so clean the whole mess up because I need it to be perfect for my God. And he just sets it up exactly the way God had in the Old Testament, sets the altar up, puts the sacrifice on the altar. But then he says this, he said, bring me a, a great big jug of water and just pour it over the top. Just really, let's just show the sign of God. Let's just show these people who so they did that, and they put another one, and then they put another one three times, they poured all the water, <laughs> and all the thing, or the little thing, smoke thing, a trough thing, trowel, trowel, and that's good, around was filled with water. And so then Elijah said, oh, I will show you that God is God. And he goes, and he calls down fire out of heaven, fire comes down, <laughs> burns up the sacrifice, shrivels up all the water and all the people fall on their faces and say, God, he is God, hallelujah, we're going to worship him, we lay down our gods and... (sighs) Anyway, and so then he says, okay, we'll get all these prophets together and take them down, as it says in Deuteronomy, because the punishment for, you know, prophesying from a false god and teaching people how to worship God is death. And so, lucky we don't live in those days, amen, there'd be a lot of unhealthy people in the church. Anyway, off they go, and they they slaughter all the prophets. Okay, great. And then, so, now Elijah, he's done this great thing, and then he says, 
okay, well, I'm going to show Ahab that God is God because it hasn't rained for three years because I said it wouldn't rain for three years, but it's going to rain. So go and tell Ahab I want to meet him because I'm going to tell him now it's going to rain. Now he's going to see that God is God. And so, and so he sends the servant up the hill and have a look. Is there anything? No, there's nothing. 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 Oh, seven times. And then seven times he said, there's a cloud the size of a man's fist. And he runs back down and he says, there's a cloud of mountains and it's great, it's going to rain, says Elijah. This is how much faith he had. All I needed was that cloud and it's going to rain. And so he says, I'm going to go down and tell him how I'll meet him down there, take his chariot and it's, you know, raining and everything and he tucks his little tunic up and he's so excited, he gets so empowered with God that he actually runs straight past the chariot and um, does the big strut like, you know, he's just, So, you know, how many of you have felt like that? How many of you felt like you've done great things for God, you're running for God, you're running for God, you're running for God, what happened? Well, this is what happened to Elijah. Now, Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, all right, and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel, now Ahab's still not convinced about God. He's still playing the game here. And so... Jezebel sent a message to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. Now listen, there are times when you just have a great victory in God. It may just be like, you know, Chris, he just gets saved, he's just walking in God, and then all of a sudden this voice comes at him, or this obstacle, or this trial, or this thing comes at him. So where do you think you're going? And this intimidation will come against you and try and stop you. Amen. Because why? Because the enemy does not want you to go from victory to victory. He doesn't want you to go from glory to glory to glory to be like Jesus. You have a glory. He wants to stop you dead in your tracks. Stop right there. No, if they keep going, now they're going to see signs and wonders and miracles. Oh my God, if Chris keeps going, he's going to be laying hands on the sick in two months and he just, we just shut him down. Everything. Now, whatever it is, send it against him right now. Intimidation, fear, whatever it takes. By this time tomorrow, I'm going to do you in. And you just hear this voice inside your head. And it says this, 1 Kings 9:3. Elijah was afraid. Everybody say, afraid. Afraid. You know, when you're afraid, it's when all the what-ifs. If you hear yourself inside your head continuously going, what if, what if, or what if, what if, what if, what if I, what if I go there and then they'll reject me? What if, you know, I, I believe God for heal someone that'll get hit. What if, you know, what if, you know, how many mothers have, have, have got their heads gone when their kids are out? or dads, in the case of Craig, and they got their heads going, going, oh, they're out. What if there's a car accident and my kids are in the car? And, and so many people just go and they let their imagination go into the what if. Next minute I'm going to hear the knock on the door and it's going to be the police telling me something's happened to my kids. And How many of you have gone through stuff like that? The what ifs, the what ifs, the what ifs. It says in the last days, we heard that in the last days God will pour out his spirit on all flesh. But it also says in the last days, men's hearts will fail them from fear. That means to me, that says to me that fear will increase. That says to me that fear is trying to get you. That says to me that fear will increase. Darkness will increase. 
fear will increase, intimidation will increase. So what do we have to do? We have to increase in glory. Amen. And so he ran, when he came to Bathsheba in Judah, he ran for his life. Amen. That's what it says. He ran for his life. The other thing, when things are coming against you and you're afraid, don't retreat. If you retreat, you'll end up worse than you were before. Amen. If you go back, how many people know that? They wanted to go back to Egypt, take us back to Egypt. It was better there. Never retreat. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, never retreat. Never retreat. Keep going. No matter how hard it seems, keep going. Pat someone on the back and say, keep going. Keep going. Keep going. And so the next thing he did, he went to Bathsheba in Judah, and the next thing he does, he left his servant there. Listen to me. The next thing is this. Never leave behind friends, family, or church that will support you to get through the thing you're going through. Never leave behind people that will pray for you. Never draw yourself off alone. Amen? He left his servant and he ran away. He left everybody on his own. While he himself went on a day's journey into the desert, do you know what takes you about a day to get in a desert of negative thinking? You give yourself one day of negative thinking, the what if, the oh my, oh me, oh my, oh poor me, I'm all on my own, no one loves me, everyone hates me, I think I'll go and eat worms. It used to be a song we sang when we were kids, it was disgusting. It was not. Bite their heads off, suck their guts out. I don't, it's just disgusting. Anyway, um, <laughs> you know, listen, I've got three minutes left. You be quiet. And so it, t- it takes one day to get into a desert. Everyone say one day. Get out of the desert before you get in there. Amen. He came to a broom tree. Now listen. Oh, no, this is so good. I need to get it out. He came to a broom tree and sat down under it and prayed that he might die. A broom tree is a tree that they used to break the branches off to use as brooms. That's why it's called a broom tree. Sweep the floor with it. Sometimes, sometimes you'll come in those places then because you haven't done the right things. You'll come to a place of a broom tree where God just wants to get the broom and just dust you out, clean you out, get rid of your stinking thinking, do a bit of house cleaning inside. Amen. And so he sits under this tree and he says, he says, I just want to die. So now he's just right down. And he says, I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. And then he laid down, say, don't lay down. Get up! Down under the tree and he fell asleep. Don't fall asleep! Wake up! Golly gosh. All at once an angel touched him. Say all at once. An angel touched him and said, get up! Get up! And eat! And he looked around and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water and he ate it and he drank it, and then what? He lay down again! He lay down again! The angel said, the angel said, get up and eat. He ate, lay down. Wrong, wrong instructions. And so, 
Then the angel of the Lord came back a second time. Everybody say second chances. Thank God for second chances. Amen. And touched him and said, get up and eat. And then he explains why. For the journey is too much for you. Now listen, he's got an angel standing right in front of him. If that was me, I would just say, forget the food. Just give me something from heaven. Amen. Because I need a touch of God right now more than anything else. I'm stuck in my stinking thinking. I'm stuck in my fear. I just did some signs down there. I want to do some more signs down there. I don't want to be stuck here in the middle. Touch me. Angel of the Lord, I'll wrestle you for the blessing like Jacob if I have to, but I've got to get God. But no, he doesn't. What does he do? He got up. Well, he got up at least. Ate and drank. Strengthened by the food. Thanks very much, angel. He travelled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached. Now listen, what does this remind you of? 40 days and 40 nights. Round the mountain, round the mountain, round, you know, you'll go 40 days, 40 nights round that mountain if you don't listen to God the first time, the second time. Amen? Okay, we're nearly there. I'm going good. Then he says this, he comes to Horeb, or you could say Horeb, but I think that sounds horrible, so I say Horeb, the mountain of God. And listen to this, I just want you to know this first, Horeb was the very mountain where Moses encountered God and saw the glory of God passing by. It was the very mountain where Moses saw the burning bush It was the very mountain where the Ten Commandments were given. He knew, Elijah knew, this is Horeb, the mountain of the presence of God. And what does he do? He gets to the very place where the presence of God can get him out of this place, get him back to where he was and get him running with God again and he goes into a cave. Oh, everybody go, oh. Come on. Then he went to a cave and he spent the night. So he went to sleep again. And the word of the Lord came to him. So now God comes to him. What are you doing in there, Elijah? How many times does God have to say this to mankind since the garden? Why are you hiding from me? What are you doing in there? How much of the church is running and hiding from God instead of running to the world and running with power with a gospel message and an anointing to break the yoke of bondage. What are you doing? What are you doing in here, church? Amen? Go out. Preach the gospel. Lay hands on the sick. Get out of the cave of your own self, in your own world, in your own stinking thinking. And he replied, I have been very zealous for you, Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your orders, put your prophets to death by sword, and I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. Don't laugh because it was only last week you were whinging like that yourself to God. 
Well, I was anyway. I don't know about you. <laughs> anyway, and then the Lord said this. Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord for the Lord is about to pass you by. And it says this, Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After that, the wind, a great earthquake came, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire came, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood in the mouth of the cave. And then a voice came to him, what are you doing here? 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 God is is whispering it into your ear. And even now, right today, this week, God is saying, what are you doing here? Get out. Come up the mountain into the presence of the Lord. And he repeats himself and whinges to God again. And then God says this to him, go back the way you came. Go back the way you came. Go back and find out where you went wrong and find the presence of God again. Find the strength of God again. Find your faith that conquers fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love and of power and a sound mind. Amen? And he says this, when you get there, do this. And so he gives it a commissioning. And then he says to him, you know, by the way, there are 7,000 others that haven't bowed their knee to Baal. You're not alone anyway. Do you know what? We need a Horeb experience. We need to say to Jesus, it's been three days, Jesus, since you've been with this people, but we're going to get some bread to feed them. Amen. We're going to go up into the presence of the Lord. We're not going to listen to the voice of fear and intimidation and compromise. We're going to go up and we're going to find you, God. We're going to get in your presence. We're going to worship you. And we're going to worship you until. We're going to praise you until. Because Christ is calling his people to himself. Now listen to me. Why did God, this is my final statement to you. Why did God not come in all the ways that were normal to expose himself to a prophet? Why did God not come in that way? Why did he come with a whisper? I'm telling you this. God is coming with a whisper in this day because he's drawing us into intimacy. He's shown himself in power. He's shown himself in glory. There's been that many revivals where he's wiped us out, rolled us on the floor, chucked us over on our heads, laughed our guts out. We've done everything. Amen. He's come with those power. He's come with the fire. He's come with the earthquake. He did that in the book of Acts. He came with the wind and filled us with the Holy Spirit. But now he's coming with a whisper. You know, if, 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 if someone whispers to you, you have to get awful close to hear it. Say it to me right now, Phil. Say, Julie, come here. I can hear him. Say it softer. What'd you say? What? What'd you say? Whisper. What? What'd you say? 
What'd you say? What'd you say? <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're here. Oh. I should have done that to someone else. You're distracting me again. Anyway. <laughs> He's calling us into intimacy. And I was crying out to God when I was preparing this message and I felt this kind of rub of a soft beard against my cheek. And I thought, what is that? And he said, it's me. I'm rubbing my beard against your cheek. And then I felt his nose rub on my nose and I felt his forehead against my forehead and he was right in my face. He said, I'm coming so close to my people. I'm just going to whisper to them. I'm going to show them myself in the greatest intimacy they've ever seen or felt. I'm going to empower them with a breath from heaven. I'm going to breathe on them. You know, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, nostril to nostril, God's going to breathe on his church and it shall live again. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. Give the Lord a big hand. Oh, yeah, I did it. Almost. Woo! Praise God. Just say this after me. I'm going to go get some bread. Come on, I'm going to go get some bread. And I'm going to feed the people. I'm going up the mountain of the Lord. I say no to fear. I say no to fear, discouragement. I say no to sickness. I say no to tiredness. I say no to offense, and I'm going up the mountain of the Lord. Going up Mount Lord. Can get some bread. Amen. Thanks, Pastor.